I'm Pastor Daniel Morris, and you're listening to Sharing the Bread of Life, a podcast by St. Timothy's Lutheran Church in Skokie, Illinois. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular subscriber, I pray that Christ feeds you from the stories and testimony you'll hear today. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. May the Lord fill you with every good thing, and may you have enough left over to share. A reading from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. We do not live by bread alone, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You may remember that a rare and somewhat unique letter from George Washington was up for sale in February. It was valued at $140,000 and has since been sold. $140,000 is a lot of money. It would take several years worth of salary to afford such a historical treasure. It's enough money to pay full tuition for two children to attend four years of college each. You could purchase a fleet of cars for the same amount. Or you could take more than 20 Disney cruises. Whoever owns this letter must either be exceedingly wealthy, or they must hold this letter in such high regard that everything else is lost in comparison to owning it. Paul had such regard for Christ. That much is clear in his correspondence with the church in Philippi. 
He wrote, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish. Now, rubbish is a very nice way of translating what for us would be a four-letter word that you couldn't say in polite company. Christ and the righteousness that comes from God based on faith were worth everything to Paul. They were worth his former career as a Pharisee. They were worth multiple imprisonments and repeated beatings. By comparison, all of Paul's credentials and accomplishments under the law were dung, manure, rubbish. Paul once knew God through the customs of the law. Now he wanted to know God through faith in Christ. Particularly, he wanted to know Christ and the power of his resurrection by sharing in his suffering and becoming like him in his death. Paul's promising career was not too high a price to pay for knowing Christ. Add to that extreme physical discomfort, financial insecurity, and a criminal record, and the price was still not too high for Paul. Christ was worth everything to him, including his freedom and his life. I often wonder how many of us share Paul's confidence and passion in Christ. I wonder how many of us regard Christ as more valuable than anything we have or own. I can honestly say that I sometimes struggle with the value of Christ in a world that prioritizes right action over right belief. Sometimes I struggle with questions about the value of religion or the goodness, justice, and existence of God. Sometimes I wonder if my beliefs are true, and sometimes I'm afraid that they might not be. I'm not unique among the clergy in such struggles, and I would be surprised if anyone sitting in this room today has not at some level struggled with these very same questions. Struggles with the value of Christ the relationship between faith and action, the value of religion, the nature of God, all lie at the, light, at the heart of human life today. Some enter these struggles in the wake of personal tragedy. Some gradually move through them as global awareness grows. In the Philippines, the Catholic Church's sins are being weaponized against the clergy, who often oppose the current regime's drug war. In Brunei, conservative interpretation of Islamic law endorses death by stoning, among some other brutal punishments for transgressors. The Southern Baptist Convention has only recently begun exploring the ways that its founders used the Bible to justify slavery. And many ecclesiastical bodies face division over issues of marriage and ordination. We have so many reasons to question the value of religion, let alone the value of Christ. 
What was it about Christ that caused Paul to, sit, to regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus? Perhaps the answer lies in one little sentence that Paul penned about his hope for resurrection. He says, Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached this goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Christ had made Paul his own. Paul's self-understanding had shifted radically. For as a Jew, Paul had no reason to think that he was anything but God's own. He was one of God's chosen people, an heir of the covenant that God made with the Jews on Sinai. Until now, his relationship with God and with God's people had been defined through the same religious laws and customs that his ancestors had kept since Sinai. Now he perceived that God had done something new in Jesus, something that had cosmic implications. God's people would no longer be defined and find belonging through religious law and custom. They would find belonging in a common posture before God, that of faith. Specifically, they would find belonging through faith in a new covenant that God was making. Only this time the covenant was not with any nation or any group of people. The covenant was between God and the Messiah, the Christ. In this covenant... Righteousness would come through something much older than the agreement entered into on Sinai. It would come through something much older that even predated the ratification of God's covenant with Abraham through the circumcision of his flesh. It would come from trust in God's own testimony regarding the Messiah, the resurrection of Jesus. From the dead. It's the kind of righteousness that God reckons to all who trust God's word. The righteousness that comes through faith is not only the oldest and the truest identity of God's people. It's the only kind of righteousness that can truly save. Righteousness that depends on laws and customs only lasts as long as the laws and the customs are observed. The righteousness that depends on faith lasts as long as the object of faith remains trustworthy and true. Consider the foundation of a house. No one would set the walls of a house on sand. Because sand shifts over time, and it is different from one year to the next. A house must be built on something that is firm and unchanging. This is what the righteousness that comes through faith looks like. We can no more affect the righteousness that comes through faith 
then we can change the direction of the sun in the sky, or then we can put the blood back in Christ's body. Because this righteousness is secure, we can build our lives on it. Our laws and our customs can be flexible, because we are not justified by them. Whatever laws or customs are inconsistent with Christ must go, lest we condemn ourselves as hypocrites. All that matters is the good news that makes our faith possible, that of the crucified Christ, risen from the dead. He has claimed us as his own, just as he has claimed our neighbors and even our enemies as his own. We are entrusted with the care of those that we did not labor for, though Christ labored for them with every breath he heaved on the cross. So we become like Christ in his death when we dedicate ourselves to the well-being of strangers and even enemies who also belong to him. Is such a message not worth everything that we have? The righteousness that comes through faith in Christ is the best version of you that there can be. The righteousness that comes through the gospel is the best life that you can live. Everything else is loss compared with the best self we know in Christ and the best life we know through the gospel. If a unique letter written by a dead national hero can be worth several years' salary, or eight years of tuition, or a fleet of cars, or 20 Disney cruises. How much more is the good news of our risen Lord worth? So let us press on in the joy of the resurrection. We belong to Christ, and he is ours forever. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Sharing the Bread of Life. For more information on the mission and ministries of St. Timothy's Lutheran Church, please visit our website at www.stTimothyskokie.org or like us on Facebook. Check back next week for a new episode. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and always.